He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by day, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Notice, thou shalt not be afraid of those things. Only with, uh, verse 7, a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways." They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble." I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Can you say praise the Lord for his word? Well, verse 1 starts off saying, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. The secret place, it's a real place. The, the, this secret place is um, as real as heaven. It's as real as hell. Even though it's not perceived in the natural, it is a real location. There is a place called the secret place. And you can live there. And it's such a great place to live because there's no crime. There's, there's no harm. There's no, uh, there, there's no fear of what's going on around you coming in and touching you. It is a literal place, a safe place to be. As long as you are there and living in that place, no evil can come in and touch you. I mean, it, it is a wonderful place. Now, if I were to tell you, I know a town where there is plenty, of, plenty to do, there's plenty of ways for, to make a living, there's plenty of provision, and once you move to that town and live in that town, 
You'll never be sick again. You'll never ever suffer um, uh, demonic oppression. You'll never be attacked by the devil. You'll never have to worry about, you know, all the stuff that's going on in the world. It is a perfectly safe place. Would you be interested in maybe checking it out? Maybe moving there? Hmm. Well, there is such a place. There is such a place. It's called here the secret place. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. In other words, there is a place in God that is your place of safety. And he has invited you to dwell in that place. He has abided. He uses the words dwell. He used the word abide. Dwell and abide in this secret place that of his provide, provision under the shadow of the Almighty. Under the shadow of the Almighty. You see, this, this place where all the promises of this chapter, you've, as we read through this chapter, did you see anything that appealed to you? Did you see anything in this chapter that you would, you'd like to have that? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was protection, 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 covering, 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 uh, no evil, no plague, uh, angels watching over you, taking care of you, uh, 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 total victory over the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, and, and um, uh, uh, long life, long life upon the earth, and everything going well with you, deliverance and honor and satisfaction and salvation, all, all there. It's all there in, in this place called the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty. The total and complete protection of the secret place depends entirely on you being there. Now I've got a whole sermon called Being There. You know, the benefits of just being there. Being there with God. Being there for each other. Being there for the church. Being, being present and accounted for. But this, this place of safety, this place of peace, this place of protection, is, is all it requires is for you to be there and stay there. Dwell means to stay. You must not leave it because its protection and its benefits depend entirely on you remaining there. You, you not, must not only go there and be there, but you must not leave it. As long as you stay there, you can't be touched or harmed. But if you leave, then you become vulnerable to the lion that goeth about seeking whom he may devour. This word dwell in the Hebrew is Strong's number 3427, in case you're taking notes. Strong's. Number 3427, the Hebrew word dwell means to sit down, to hide out, tarry, to remain, stay indefinitely. It's not a place you visit. It's the place you go to and stay there. <laughs> you don't leave it. 
the word abide, well, it, well let's, this word secret place is Strong's number 5643. Strong's 5643. This secret place, it means a covering or covert hidden place or to hide by covering. It's a place of hidden or being sheltered from harm. And then the word abide in this instance means to stubbornly stay or to dig in your heels and refuse to leave with an obstinate tenacity. In other words, even if they ask you to leave, you say, ain't gonna. I'm here to stay. And no matter how they entice you from the outside to come on out and play, you say, uh-uh, I live here, I'm safe here, I'm protected here, I'm provided for here, I will not leave it. Amen. And you're stubborn about it. Obstinately stubborn. Uh-uh, you dig in your heels, as we say, and refuse to budge. There's a mentality about abiding in the secret place. You have to be determined to because there's so many temptations to get outside of that covering, to get outside of that fortress, to get outside of that shield. And you don't want to answer those temptations with, I'll be right there. You want to say, uh-uh, no way, Jose. Are you listening to me? The word shadow there, you know, we, we, we abide under the shadow. I'm just still in the first verse here. But the word shadow means to uh, sink or submerge. It, it means to, to cover as to hide or make undetectable or to cloak yourself with. Uh, with the most high hovering over us, casting his shadow upon us, we become swallowed up by his shadow so that no enemy can find us. We become invisible to the enemy. We become imperceptible. How's that for a big word? It's literally being hidden in him and under him. Amen? No, and it says it's the shadow of the Almighty. Now that word Almighty is El Shaddai. He's not some mediocre power, but we're talking about the almighty El Shaddai who has the power to crush and totally destroy anyone who comes against us or anything. He has the power to, dis to destroy anything in his path. So with him, with El Shaddai, with the almighty overshadowing you and covering you, Anything that approaches you to do you harm becomes destroyed by his mighty power. Everything from a little germ to a devil to a war to missiles flying through the air, you are covered under the shadow of the Almighty and they can't find you. They can send a heat-seeking missile after you and they won't find you because you're covered 
in that secret place. Amen. <laughs> Verse 3 says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Now, bring that up into modern terms. Uh, sneaky traps. He'll deliver you from the sneaky traps of the devil. Things like, uh, scriptures like these come to mind. Uh, he that diggeth a pit shall himself fall in it. You know, every snare that they lay for you, they get trapped in themselves. He'll turn the tables on the enemy because he's overshadowing. The, the, the picture there is God, God, the almighty God, creator of the universe, has stretched himself out over you and covered you to the point that not even the light of day can get through. You are bathed in his protective covering. Can you say amen? How many of you think that's a good place to be? <laughs> Surely he, he shall deliver thee from the sneaky traps and from the noisome pestilence. Modernizing that a little bit, it, the scary threats. Everything that threatens you, all the noisy, scary threats that you hear that are intended really to get you out of the, the secret place and into fear. See, you can't be in fear if you're under God's protection. If you're in that secret place, you're not going to be afraid of anything. Right? Because you know you're covered. You know you're hidden away. You know you're protected. And so you're not going to be afraid. So if, if you are being terrorized, it means you got out of the secret place. You stopped abiding where there is no terror. Because even the terror, uh, that, that, that noisy, scary stuff you hear. And boy, we've been through some times of hearing scary stuff. But I remember all the way back to my childhood, there have been scary things. I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis and how, how scared everybody was. I was only nine years old, ten years old. But I remember, I remember these big prayer meetings, people getting together and praying, Oh God, oh God, save us from the, the Russians. That's just in my lifetime. I remember, I remember living my whole teenage years from the time I was seven, 16, 17, uh, under the threat of being drafted and having to go to Vietnam, watching the body bags coming home constantly and thinking, you know, that they may call my number just any minute and I may, go, I may have to go off and march through the rice paddies. And it was, it was, it was a, you know, there's always been pressure. There's always been scary times. Not, it didn't just start the last two years. How many of you know you've lived life long enough that, you know, if you're abiding under the shadow of the, of the news media, they'll have you terrified all the time. I mean, we were afraid to eat eggs. We were afraid to, you know, drink coffee. We were afraid. We were, we were, they made us afraid of everything, and they're still working on that. They, 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 they're trying to scare us right now into thinking that we're destroying the planet by breathing, living, and farting. They got you scared of your own gas. 
I'm telling the truth. I'm not just being crude. So if you're living, if, if you're living in that fear and terror, that means you've, you've gotten out of the secret place. You see, in the secret place, you're not afraid of anything. You're not worried. You get up in the morning praising the Lord, thanking the Lord. First, you know, you go get your cup of coffee. Amen. You're not afraid. You're not afraid. Oh, don't you know that's full of pesticides? Don't you know that, uh, you, know, that you, know, uh, you don't know where it came from? If I drink any deadly thing, it will not harm me. I'm living in the secret place. I'm, I'm not living in constant fear of dying. That's what it is. See, people are afraid of dying. But God has promised me that if I'll set my love upon him, I'll live a long life. And I join my coffee on the porch. Amen. <laughs> Verse 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers. Now, normally, even in Bible times, they would have considered that blasphemous to, to accuse God of being like a bird and having feathers. But in, in, in the context of this, uh, of this chapter, he's, he's, not say, he's not saying that God is literally a bird or that God has feathers. It's talking about he covers us feather-like. He covers us uh, under his wings. And under his wings we trust. See, when God stretches himself out over us, it's, it's like, it's like a, a mother hen protecting her brood, protecting her, her nest. And what he covers us with is his awesome power. But he does it softly and gently, like a, like a feathered wing. He doesn't slam us down. He doesn't shove us in the mud and say, Look out, look out, it's dangerous out here. Don't, don't, don't look up, don't look up, don't shove us back down. No, he gently, softly, tenderly covers us in the feathers of his wings. Praise the Lord. It's poetic language. And it says, His truth shall be your shield and buckler. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Jesus said, You'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Free from what? Free from fear. Free from terror. Free from doubt and unbelief. Free from sin and all the ravages of sin. You don't live in the torment of fear. You live... Uh, under the, the protective covering that he provides. This word, this word shield is the Hebrew word 571. And I'm, I'm giving you these numbers so you can check up on me. Get your concordance out and check it up. Look, look it up. This word shield and this word buckler is number 6791. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. These two words have similar meaning, and yet they're different. Shield refers to a, a full-body piece of armor that uh, if placed in front of you, you can stand behind it and be completely shielded from anything coming at you. His shield. But now, uh, 
in, in, in battle situations, they would take these shields and dig them into, stand them up in the ground, just dig them in the ground and stand them up, and they'd put one right next to the other in a circle until everybody's shield had formed a complete circle, like circling the wagons, and then they would fight from behind the shield, and they would be surrounded by this protective shield. His truth is our shield. His truth protects us. It's, it becomes part of the armor of God, right? It is the armor of God. Every, every piece of the armor of God in Ephesians 5 is made up of the Word of God. The substance that formed that piece of armor is the Word of God. The Word of God is our shield all around us. Amen? But this word buckler takes it to the nth degree. This word buckler means a fortress. A buckler is a place where you are completely shielded behind impenetrable walls. In other words, the, picture this. You're standing with your brethren, with your fellow soldiers. You're standing with this shield, these shields all the way around you, circling you, protected on all sides, and then move that whole scene inside a fortress that can't even be penetrated. That's double insulated. You're double shielded. He, he this, in the secret place, he becomes a shield and a buckler for us. He becomes, he becomes our defense all around us, and he becomes our fortress. David said in another place, the Lord is my high tower. I run into the name of the Lord, and I am safe. Once you are there, okay, imagine yourself completely shielded and completely tucked away inside this fortress where God overshadows it with his wings and protects everything underneath, makes everything, you become untouchable. You become one of God's untouchables. The world calls us deplorables and undesirables, but God calls us his untouchables. Amen? That's how you can say what these next verses say. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. You know why? How can, how can we not be afraid? We're not afraid because they can't get to us. They can't touch us. Because we refuse to come out of that fortress. We refuse to come out from under that shield, that covering. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Pestilence is like a pandemic, a disease, a, a, a pests. You know, a, anything that would creep around in the dark and try to sneak up on you. Nor... Are you afraid for the destruction that wasteth at noonday? You're not even afraid of a direct midday onslaught. 
because they can't break through the barriers that God has set you behind. You become untouchable. How many of you would like to live in a place like that? Especially in this present world. Now, it doesn't mean you're not free to go about your life. It doesn't mean you're not free to live. It's just you, you remain under that covering. You remain under that covering. That covering moves with you. Every situation is accounted for. Every negative thing is neutralized by his mighty power. Not, any, not yours, but his. Every, every situation that could possibly come up, God has already uh, accounted for it and laid in store everything you need to overcome it. A thousand shall fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand. You see, you're, you're going to see, you're going to see the reward of the wicked. You're going to see reward is the same thing as harvest. You're going to see the harvest of the wicked. You're going to see the reward of the wicked, and but it will not come near you. Why? It's not for you. You see, in this secret place, in this safe place, you're not going to get burned by what burns the world. You're not, going to you're not going to be affected by their harvest. You're going to be like Israel living in the land of Goshen during the plagues. You're going to be, you're going to be separated from the darkness by the light. When darkness fell over the land of Egypt, the land of Goshen had a bright sunshiny day. Why? They were under God's protective covering. For 40 years in the wilderness, they were under the cloud by day, shadowing them, shading them, providing them with cover, and fire by night, warming them, guiding and directing them, but also uh, standing between them and their enemies, protecting them. For 40 years. That's pretty constant. That's pretty regular, pretty steady. God demonstrated he's able to do it over your lifetime. He's able to put you under his protective covering and keep you safe the whole time you're on planet Earth. He's already, he's already proven he can do it. If he did it back then, he can do it now because he hasn't changed. He hasn't lost any of his powers. You only see it with your eyes, the reward of the wicked. And then he tells us how we get in this place, how, how, how come this is, uh, can be a reality for you. Verse 9, he says, because. Everybody say because. because. Now this is important because it's a, it's a three-step process it shows us how we can get into that secret place, how we can live in that fortress, how we can remain under the, the, the uh, shadow of the Almighty. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Number one here. 
There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. This whole condition of, of being cared for, being victorious, uh, of having angelic assistance comes upon you simply because you made the Lord your constant dwelling place. There in verse 13, I think it's significant. Thou shalt tread upon the lion. Well, we know what lion he's talking about. The lion that goes about everywhere seeking whom he may devour, the devil. And adder, another word for adder is cobra. An adder is anything, uh, any serpent that puffs himself up and he's full of poison. Like a, like a cobra will puff himself up and open himself up and strike. Why is that significant? Because recently they're coming out with this revelation that, that, that uh, this whole COVID-19 virus and some of the vaccines that are associated with it are laced with uh, cobra venom. The rendezivir is, is made from the venom of a, of a cobra snake. And its effect on your body is to paralyze your diaphragm and make it where you can't breathe. Which is one of the primary symptoms of COVID. And you go to the hospital and what do they do? They shoot you full of some more of it. And they keep putting that, that, that cobra venom in until you are paralyzed and can't breathe and suffocate. And die. With James Maloney they called it Pneumonia. He says, you don't even have to fear that. He said, if you, will, if you will make the Lord your habitation, your constant dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. Amen. No plague shall come near your dwelling. He will give his angels charge over you. And you'll tread underfoot the lion and the adder, the cobra. Say, so, well, pastor, you know, what if, I, what if I got one of these, one of these shots that has that venom in it? Tread on it. Step on it. Put it under feet. Take authority over it and render its power and effect in your body neutralized. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Luke 19 is your, is your New Testament scripture that says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. During this, during this time of plagues and pestilences and pandemics and, and so forth, it ought to be a daily confession of yours. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you've given me authority to trample under my feet all the power of the enemy, and nothing he has can hurt me. Amen. That's, how, that, that's dwelling in the secret place. That's and calling upon his name is part of it. Dwelling in the secret place will protect you from viruses, plagues, epidemics, and man's uh, attempts to uh, genocide. You know, See, they want to, 
You've heard them, you've heard them say it out of their own mouths. They want to reduce the population of the earth. Who's they? The inventors of all this stuff. I saw a chart last night. I was looking, uh, watching And We Know on uh, Rumble. Anybody familiar with that program, And We Know? Me and Robert, Irene, three of us. Well, they, he was showing some charts. Uh, Australia has about a 27 million population. And Niger in Africa has exactly the same amount, 27 million. And he was showing these charts, these graphs. Both of them have the equal amount of people. Well, Niger never did diddly about COVID-19. <clears throat> they didn't do anything. And you know what happened in Australia? I think they just recently boasted that 87% of the people of Australia have had not one, not two, not three, but four shots. All right? And so over here in Niger, about 2% of the people in Niger uh, have, were vaccinated. All right? Well, the cases of uh, people getting COVID shot up and went off the charts in Australia. In Niger, it just barely bumped along the bottom of the chart. They charted the, uh, the vaccine injuries, people that actually uh, were injured by the vaccine, paralyzed, blood clots, things of that nature. In Niger, there were, there were none, no injuries. In Australia, off the charts. Same population, just different approach. Deaths. Niger, hardly any, maybe one per million people. Australia has had 250 deaths per million people. You know, facts don't lie. And that's just a comparison of two, two countries of equal size. By the way, Florida has the same number of people, about 27 million. Interesting. I'd like to see a comparison there, but maybe not. I don't know. I, I, you do know that Florida is a safer place to live right now. What makes it safer? I, I think uh, I think policy, policy is what makes it safer. Amen. How do you approach these things? And as believers, you know, I I would really like to. There's no way I think to do this, but I would really like to see the charts on the believers. I think in many cases they're just going to be the same as the world's charts. But there's but there there there's a there's a group of people who are dwelling in that secret place. And I bet they're like Niger, running along the bottom there. Would you agree that's probably the way it is? Now, I don't believe in jinxing. I don't, I don't believe in um, 
hoodoo and voodoo and all you do and all that stuff. I, 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 don't, I don't believe in superstition. So I'm just going to boldly point something out to you. This whole thing's been going on for two years. Not one soul in Cornerstone Church has died from it. You say, well, we're just a small church. Yeah, but we're, we, percentage-wise, we're 100% still alive as a church. Do we have anybody in that category of what they call um, at-risk categories? Hurting there, all of us. I was concerned about the elderly in our church, and then I realized I am one. I'm over 70. I listen, I qualified in the first group because I'm, I'm, I'm what they call obese. I'm old. And... Uh, well, that's enough right there. <laughs> High-risk category. Well, if, if, if I'm living in their world, yes, but I don't live in their world. I live in the secret place under the shadow of the Almighty. And under the secret place of the shadow of the Almighty, I am not at risk. I'm not, people, and neither are you. You're not at risk. Hallelujah. Unless you leave. And I've stu stubbornly dug my heels in. I've had 70 years of practice because, as I told you earlier, I, I, never, had, I never had medical insurance. I never, had, I never had all that stuff. So, you know, basically, I've had to believe God. I didn't have any choice. And for a long time, I thought I was being uh, deprived. You know, I thought I was, you know, uh, being cheated out of something. But no, it's just, it's just made me... It just made me uh, have that ability to be tenacious and to, and to remain under God's care. And I've got family members who took the other route, and they're, they're sick and dying. They're, they're, they're in bad, bad, bad health, and, and uh, some, many of them have died, and they're all afraid, very afraid. I went up to one of my relatives' house not too long ago, and they wouldn't even let me in because I didn't have a mask on. I said, well, why don't you come out here? And they, they wouldn't come out because I didn't have a mask on. And the wind was blowing. I mean, anyway, it's ridiculous. But it's real in their minds. It, they're, they're in a real place. See, they're, they're in a real place. But in my mind, I'm in a real place too. And my place is the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty. Can you praise the Lord for that? Woo. So how can this be? What, what must you do? Number one, set your love upon me, he says. Because he hath set his love upon me, Therefore will I deliver him, I will set him on high. 
set your love upon the Lord. First time I told Ruth that I loved her, she says, how can you say that? You hardly know me. We just met. How can you say you love me? And I said, love is a decision. I said, I don't believe in falling in love. That's lust. I don't, and I don't believe in accidentally loving somebody. I, when you say, I fell in love, you're saying I had an accident. <laughs> and if you can fall in, you can fall out. And I told Ruth, I says, I didn't fall in love with you. I consciously, decisively made the decision to set my love upon you. And 13 years have gone by, and I have not moved it. I have not unset it. It, it remains set on her, and I'm digging in my heels. And during those times when I might be tempted to unset it, And kill her. <laughs> I don't. I don't because I made a decision to set my love on her. Just like I did when I was 12 years old and I decided to set my love on Jesus because he first loved me. And I've never left Jesus since I was 12 years old. I've never one time unset my love and left him. Now, I know there, are, there were times when I wasn't as close to him as I, as I should have been. But I never left him. And he has delivered me many, many, many times. He set me in a high place, a high tower of strength a fortress, and he's kept me. At times, I didn't even know I was in danger until later I found out that I was divinely protected and I was in dire jeopardy. And I was in, I mean, the big guns were after me and I didn't even know it because I was behind that shield Inside that fortress, covered with those feathers, I had no idea until he revealed it to me so I could praise him and worship him. I'm telling you, if you'll set your love upon the Lord, that, that requires some active participation on your part. It's not an accident that you love the Lord. It's something you do on purpose. And number two, because he has known my name. Do you know who the Lord is? Do you know him? Do you really know who the El Shaddai is? Do you really know who the Almighty God is? Do you know his name? Which name? <laughs> Whosoever shall call upon his name shall be saved. That word saved means delivered, healed, 
protected. Same, same, the same God of Psalm 91 is in Romans 10, 9 and 10. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever confesses Jesus, it's Jesus. The name of the Lord is summed up in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Ask anything in my name, Jesus said, of the Father in heaven, and he will give it to you. Amen. Why? Because you live inside his fortress. You've made a decision to live there, and you know, the, you know the name to call on. You know the power of that name. And then verse, uh, the, the verse 15 is the third one. You, first of all, you set your love on him. Secondly, you know his name. And thirdly, he shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation or show him my saving power. He shall call upon me. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. You, you need to know the, his name and believe in the power of his name, and then you need to call on it. How do I remain in that secret place? I love God, I know His name, and I talk to Him, I call on Him. I call on Him, I run to Him. I run to the Lord. David said, early I will seek Thee. Early on, early on I will seek Thee. Not, he's not talking about early in the morning, he's talking about early on in every situation. The slightest little hint that there might be trouble, I'll run to the fortress. I run to my high tower. I try to stay there, but if I find out I'm not quite all the way in, I move to get all the way in. Are we perfect? No. Everybody here have an umbrella? Who owns an umbrella? You ever have an occasion to use it? I've got one in my car inside the door there. I've got a I've got a small umbrella. And you know, in case I get trapped in the car and pouring rain, I need to get inside. I can at least cover my head with it. But I've noticed I really need one of those big golf umbrellas, one of those big ones. Because if I use my little emergency umbrella. My head stays dry, but all the rest of me sticks out. And I get soaked. I get soaked in my back. I get My feet get wet. You know, my arms get wet. My head's dry because I've stuck my head up in it. Almost to the point I can't see where I'm going. But the rest of me gets rained on. Now some of you, you're so you're so slim that you probably stay dry under a tiny little umbrella. But I need one of those big ones. I just don't like carrying them in the car with me all the time. And uh, you know, for two people, a two people, a two people umbrella. But here, here's the here's the fact of life. If you come under God's shelter and care, He's going to shield you. But if you step out or if part of you sticks out, it's going to get hit by the fiery darts 
It's going to get hit, rained on, attacked. Whatever it is you got sticking out from under that umbrella is going to, is going to, is, is going to be a target. So what happens if you start feeling like part of you is getting attacked? What do you do? Throw the umbrella down and say it ain't working? No. You draw, you, you pull yourself completely under it. Anything in your life that is subject to Satan's attack needs to be brought in under the protective covering of God Almighty. And you do it consciously. You, you, if, if, there's, if there's something you need to do that God says to do, you do it. You obey. Obedience is better than sacrificing your arm. You understand what I'm saying? And, and sometimes, sometimes we don't do that. We, we, just, we just let our arm hang out there and suffer and rot off and wondering why God won't do something. Well, dummy, pull that thing in under the umbrella. There are some things you have to do yourself. He that abideth, he that lives, he that remains, he that stubbornly says, I refuse to get outside God's covering. And I'll do whatever it takes to stay protected by God. It's worth it, people. It's worth it. Am I perfect? Oh, no. You know, I've, I've got... <laughs> I, while I've been talking, I've thought of a couple of things I need to rein in. At least a couple. <laughs> but I can do it. All I've got to do is set my mind on it and make that decision and then do what God says. Amen? Amen. We're going to do communion and we're going to leave here, but I want to give you an opportunity to pull yourself in. If you'll stand up with me, while we take communion this morning, I want you to realize the blood covers everything. The blood, is, the blood will cover everything in your life. And the blood of Jesus has power in it. Y'all remember the song, There's Power in the Blood? Wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb? The blood of Jesus has the power to cover you and bring you under God's protective care. Amen? Remember the, remember the, uh, the biblical example the first Passover. See, the Last Supper occurred on the Passover. The first Passover was when God sent the death angel to Egypt. And God told the Israelites, if you will kill a lamb, eat the lamb, capture its blood, and spread the blood over your doorpost, when the death angel comes over your house, see, he, he, he didn't say the death angel won't come over your house. He said that when the death angel comes to your house, he will see the blood and he will pass over. See, the blood of Jesus represents Passover. It goes back to this principle of God overshadowing you. 
God putting you in his protective cover. Whatever God does to the world, how many of you know the world's got it coming to them? Yeah. Me and Harold know. <laughs> God, is, God is judging the world. He's judging the world. It's coming. It's way past due. And, uh, and if God says, I'm not going to delay my judgment, there's nothing you can do to stop it. It's coming. The only thing you can do, if we're still here, and until the rapture, we're still here. Everybody still here? We're here. The only thing you can do, knowing that judgment is falling upon the earth, is for you to run to your shelter. And the blood of Jesus is our safe place. Same night he was betrayed, he took, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let's trust in his body. This is our health policy. This is our protection from disease the body of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that body that was offered. The body that was whipped at the whipping post and nailed to the cross. The body that died so that we can live. We receive your sacrifice in Jesus' name. Amen. And then he took the cup and said, this cup is my blood in the New Testament. He told us to drink all of it because he wants us to have all of it. He wants us to live in the provision. He wants us to dwell in that secret place. It didn't come cheaply. It came at the price of his own life. But by the blood of Jesus, the Bible says we have an entrance into the Holy of Holies. We have been given access by the blood into the very throne room of God himself. We need to abide there. Lord, we thank you for the blood that was shed for us. May we abide continually in the provisions that you have made for us through your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink it. The new covenant, Jesus said the blood represents the new covenant. The new covenant is a way of living. It's not just a religious thing. The new covenant is a brand new way of living. And we need to live in that covenant. Amen? We need to live according to it, by it, through it, for it. And we need to share it with each other. Amen. Consistently. Praise the Lord. Well, I know there's more in here, but I don't have time to get into all that because y'all ready to go. Lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you for the secret place of the Most High. I thank you that I can decide right now to set my love on you and bring myself into that secret place, into that fortress where I can be covered and sheltered and kept and provided for. And I give you praise for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.